We thank you for it. We reverence your presence here today. We reverence your holy word. We do not take it for granted. We're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people, real loud said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's open to John, the 18th chapter. John, the 18th chapter, if you would. John, the 18th chapter. Next Sunday, of course, being Easter, we emphasize the resurrection of Jesus. This Sunday, I'd like to center in on some of the events leading up to the cross and what actually happened at the cross. So titling this message today, At the Cross. At the Cross. Now, of course, prior to the crucifixion, Jesus eats the Last Supper with his disciples. And, of course, Judas leaves to betray him. And then eventually Jesus agonizes in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood while his disciples sleep nearby. And then, of course, Jesus is taken from the Garden of Gethsemane by the soldiers, and all of his disciples flee away. Then the soldiers take Jesus, first of all, to Annas, A-N-N-A-S, Annas. And in John 18, 22, I want you to... Notice what happens to Jesus when he's before Annas. John 18, 22. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand. Then from there, Jesus is taken before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin In Matthew 26, verse 67, Matthew chapter 26, verse 67, let's turn there. Notice the Bible says that when Jesus is before Caiaphas, they spit in his face and beat him. They spat or spit in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands. Now you can uh, notice in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6. Isaiah 50 and verse 6. The prophet Isaiah speaking by the Spirit of God actually speaking concerning the Lord Jesus. Notice in Isaiah 50 verse 6. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. We need to think about sometimes what Jesus went through and endured on behalf of you and me. Think about that. My cheeks to those, I gave my back to those who struck me See, they hadn't even got to his back yet. They're going to get to that in a little while. So far they spit in his face and struck him with the palms of their hands. But here he says in Isaiah 50 verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me. Notice my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. Think of that, they plucked Jesus' beard. Grabbed him by the beard and pulled the hair right out of his... Think about that. And I did not hide my face from shame... And spitting. They spit 
in his face. Think about that. He came to die for those people just like he came to die for you and me and they're spitting in his face. And then, of course, while he's before the Sanhedrin and so on, there's Peter's denials. Or he denied him on three, three occasions. And then, of course, after that, Jesus is sent to Pilate for the first time. And, of course, Pilate didn't want to have anything to do with the, the situation. And so he sends Jesus to Herod. Notice Luke 23, 11. Luke 23, 11. Luke 23, 11. Pilate sends Jesus to Herod. And in Luke 23, 11... Notice this, then Herod, with his men of war, men of war, treated him, treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. I mean, Jesus is going through a lot, isn't he? And I don't know, there's just something about that men of war that stood out to me. Herod didn't just deal with Jesus himself. He had his men of war gang up on Jesus and treat him with contempt. And they dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate, trying to humiliate Jesus, make fun of him. And then, of course, Jesus goes back to Pilate and he's before Pilate for the second time. And, of course, we understand Pilate wanted to release Jesus and Pilate's wife actually came to him and, and said, have nothing to do with this man, you know, let, let him go. And, and, of course, Pilate asked Jesus several questions which, which we could talk about and so on. But, of course, the crowd cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And of course, as we look at Matthew, the 27th, uh, the 27th chapter and the 26th verse, let's turn there. Matthew 27, verse 26. Matthew chapter 27, verse 26, as the crowd cries out, as the crowd cries out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate released Barabbas to them. Think, think of that Barabbas, a murderer, and so on, was released to the people. And Jesus was scourged. Notice verse 26, and when he had scourged Jesus. Now, I have that highlighted here, that word scourged, because you, you, in that one word, is you need to realize what a Roman scourging was like. And everything that had happened to Jesus up to this point was, was, was child's play and nothing compared to what is encompassed in that one word, scourged. They scourged him. They whipped him. They beat him. They, beat it, they, they, they took a cat of nine tails and, and, and they ripped his back completely open. Absolutely ripped it to shreds. And then... He was delivered to be crucified. And in that word, I've got that word crucified highlighted. You could, you could take an hour or two, three, four hours just talking about the, the, the crucifixion and, and everything that was 
entailed in that and how their 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 hands and were nailed in their their feet and, and how they were lifted on that cross and how they have to lift themselves up to breathe and, and it's unbelievable Jesus did all that for you and for me it's real easy as we go about the course of our daily life to lose sight of that I'm covering this today not just because it's Easter season, but you know what? We ought to be mindful of what Jesus went through for us every day. He was scourged and then he was delivered to be crucified. But notice verse 27. Then, now, before they take, they scourge him and before they crucify him, they're going to take him out to be crucified. But notice verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the, into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. Now, I, I, I tried to figure out how many soldiers that was. I tried to figure it out. He, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And as I studied that out, I found that it could be as few as 50 or as many as 600 ganged up on Jesus and circled around about him. And notice here, it said the whole garrison around him and they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a, cor a crown of thorns, and we need to realize it was actually a cap of thorns and those thorns probably were each about yay long. And they put them on his head and they went into his head and into his, into his scalp and skull. Can you imagine causing the head to swell? Can you imagine having 50 or more soldiers, men of war gathered around you, mocking you and treating you with contempt? What we never need to lose sight of is that you and I deserved that. That's what we deserved. Because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, and because, because we are sinners, that is the place we all deserve to be. We must never lose sight of that. That Jesus stepped in there for us, for God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus for us. And Jesus, as our substitute, he's going on our behalf and everything that he underwent in this suffering, we had coming our way. It was supposed to be for us, but Jesus stepped in and took our place. I beg you, I plead with you, don't ever lose sight of that. It, it, it'll, if you think about this every day, it'll keep you in love with Jesus. And they put the crown of thorns on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat or spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And what did we read a moment ago from Isaiah he said, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. 
this was probably more than likely when that garrison of men grabbed him by the beard and pulled his beard out and plucked his beard and they're treating him horribly. And then in verse 31, and when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. It was typical that the person that was going to be crucified would bear his own cross. But you can understand because of the suffering that Jesus had underwent with the beatings and the scourging and all of that he had been been going through that he was not... I, I just don't believe he was physically capable at this point of carrying that cross. And so they got this man, Simon, to carry it. What an honor that would have been to have been able to carry the cross of Jesus. How many would have seen that as an honor? I... I would have seen that as an honor. And they led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they get Simon. He carries the cross, verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink. Now we see at this point he doesn't drink. Later on he says, I thirst, and they give him to drink. The reason he didn't drink this, as you study it out, is this was mingled with gall, and gall was a type of a narcotic or a stupefying drink. And what I mean by that is it was like a painkiller, you see. And Jesus refused that. Jesus would not receive anything that would dull the senses in any way because he was there and he bore it all. Realize, say, he bore it all. He bore it all. Isn't that something? And then in verse 35, they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, you know, the soldiers. And they put up over his head the accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. Well, he wasn't there to save himself. He was there to save you and me. Amen? How many of you are glad he didn't come down from the cross? How many of you know he could have called on legions of angels and he could have come down? Is that right? But he decided not to do that. And he stayed upon that cross. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that, you know, it it was the, the soldiers and all that crucified him. But it was your sin and my sin that put him there. Is that right? Let's don't ever forget it. Let's don't ever forget it. You know, we think about these people that were treating him with such contempt and beating him, but let's don't ever forget that it was your sin and my sin that put him on the cross. And it was his great love that he had for us that held him there. He could have come down any time he wanted. But he didn't. And then in verse 41, likewise, the chief priests also 
mocking with the scribes and elders, say he saved others himself, he cannot save. If he's the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. How many of you know that if he'd have come down from the cross, they wouldn't have believed him? How many of you know they wouldn't have? How many of you know they saw him perform miracles? They saw him perform signs. They saw him perform wonders. They saw him do all these wonderful teaching, preaching, signs, wonders, and all of that. And if he'd have come down from the cross, they would not have believed. Do you understand that? I had a lady one day tell me at the door back there. She said, Pastor, it was after an Easter service actually. And she came to the door. And, uh, and she said, if you snap your fingers right now and, and, a, and a lightning bolt hits in the parking lot, I'll believe. And I said, no, you won't. I said, no, you won't. You'll explain that away just like you've explained everything else away. You'll call it coincidence. I've learned a long time ago that signs and wonders might, might get your attention for a little while, but they won't cause you to become a believer. Did you hear me? I said they won't. I've had people in this very church. I've had people healed of cancer. I've had, pe- I've had lumps on people's necks go down under the power of God. I've had people healed by the truckloads and the multitudes in this very sanctuary right here. Healed by the power of Almighty God. And it doesn't cause people to serve God any more fervently than they did before. You're either going to love Him or you're not. You're either going to serve Him or you're not. Did you hear me? You're either going to love Him or you're not. You're either going to serve Him or you're not. I can't do enough backward somersaults to entertain you to get you to serve Jesus. You're either going to serve Him or you're not. Did you hear me? I made a decision a long time ago that I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I made a decision a long time ago. I remember when they ran those buildings in on 9-11. And we had a Wednesday night. So that happened on a Tuesday. 9-11-2001 was a Tuesday. And 9-12 was a Wednesday. We had our regular Wednesday night service. And the place was just, 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 just full with people. You know, and I got up under the power of God. And I said, I'd be here tonight to serve God whether they ran the planes in or not. I, did you hear me? I don't need them to run planes in for me to come and serve God in the house of God. Did you hear me? I said, come hell or high water, I'm going to be here serving God. How about you? Can you say amen? Amen. And you see those people that came after 9-11. You had the Congress on the steps of the Capitol singing, singing, God bless America. But within just a couple of weeks, they're back fighting with one another. Isn't that sad? You're either going to serve God or you're not. You're either going to love Him or you're not. You're either going to live a life dedicated to Him or you're not. All the signs, all the wonders, all the miracles, all the funny stories I can tell you, all the jokes I could tell, none of that's going to cause somebody to serve God. They're either going to serve Him or they're not. And I made a decision a long time ago, I'm going to love Him, I'm going to serve Him no matter what. Can anybody say amen? Come down from the cross if you come down. Then we'll believe. No, they wouldn't have. And then verse 43. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Isn't it interesting that both of these, see, both of these robbers originally reviled Jesus. 
but one of them repented. Aren't you glad the one of them did? Now, both of them could have, but the one didn't, the other did. Now, what lesson do we learn from that? Is that it's never too late to get yourself right with God. As long as you got breath in your body, as long as your spirit is still in your body, you can get yourself right with God. You can cry out, out to the Lord Jesus and He'll save you even in the midnight hour. Uh, that one thief right at the midnight hour, right? He's on, his, on, on, on the cross where he's going to die and, and, and it's a midnight hour and, and, and yet he's got his spirit still in his body and he cries out to Jesus. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today I say to you, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, it's never too late to get saved, is it? But I want to warn you because a lot of people try to put it off to the last minute. And you know in the Bible, we're never promised tomorrow, are we? The Bible say, When does the Bible say is the, is the time of salvation? Today, right now. Today, right now. This is the time. This is the accepted time, you see. But one thief cried out, repented, and got saved. That's comforting to me. And then in verse 45, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. Uh, Jesus went on the cross at, at nine o'clock in the morning and he hung there till three o'clock in the afternoon when he died. And it's interesting, at high noon, at high noon, darkness came. That's the sixth hour. At high noon, darkness came and it was on the land and it was over the land until the ninth hour. And in scripture, very oft times when you see darkness, you see the judgment of God. And you see Jesus as he hung there upon that cross as that that sin offering as he hung there you and I should have been hanging there but he hung there on behalf of you and me and and, and you see as he hung there the the Bible says there was darkness from noon until 3 and I believe this is when God was judging sin. The Bible says that he judged sin in the flesh. The book of Romans says and you see Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin and you see at that moment in that instant God judged sin in Christ. I'm so glad he judged it in Jesus and not in you and me. Amen? And then in verse 46, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, and that is when I believe that the Father was judging the, all the sin of mankind in Christ and, and, and all the sin, all the sickness and disease of mankind is laid upon Jesus as he hangs upon that cross. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, this was the fourth of seven cries that Jesus made from the cross. The first cry he made was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Isn't that something that the very people that Jesus is dying for and they've been so mean and horrible to him and what, do, what does he cry out? He says, Father, forgive them. What a lesson for you and for me. Later on, he tells the thief that repents, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then you also see 
that Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, beholds his mother and beholds John, his disciple, and he turns his mother over to John when he says, Woman, behold your son. And then he says to the disciple, Behold your mother. And the Bible says that Mary went and lived with John from that very hour. It's interesting, Jesus had other brothers and sisters, didn't he? But Jesus evidently felt closer uh, uh, to his church family, if you will, than he did to his own brothers and sisters. Uh, How many of you, if it wasn't for your church family, you'd really have no family at all? How many of you, you feel closer to your brothers and sisters at church than you do to your own natural family? And Jesus trusted John and turned Mary over to John. And think about that. Jesus and all that he was going through, everything he was going through, he still had enough cognizance about him. He was concerned about his mother. What a man he was. What a wonderful man he is. He's God, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? And then the fourth cry was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then later on he cries out and he says, I thirst. At which point they give him that non-narcotic vinegar, if you will, or sour wine. And he partakes of that. The Bible says actually in the 22nd Psalm that that he he got so thirsty on that cross that, that his tongue cleaved to the roof and the jaws of his mouth. Think about that. He cries out, I thirst. They give him to drink. He cries out, it is finished. And then the final cry, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then in verse 47, the Bible says, some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said he's calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And that's when he died physically. Of course, we understand his side was pierced, in which point blood and water came out. His body was placed in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb under strict guard. And so there you have the cross. And the crucifixion. Now look at Isaiah 52, 14, if you would. Isaiah 52, 14. The Amplified Bible. I want to use the Amplified on this one. So you might have to look up at the screen. Isaiah 52, 14. We're talking about the crucifixion at the cross. What happened at the cross. Notice for many, the servant of God. This is talking about Jesus here. For many, the servant of God became an object of what? An object of what? An object of horror. Many were astonished at him. You need to realize that Jesus, as he hung on the cross, had become an object of horror. He had been beaten so immersively. His head swollen up because of the crown of thorns and the beard being plucked and the beatings to the face. And and, and it it was an the Bible says an object of horror. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's and his form beyond that of the sons of men. But just as many were astonished at him, one version says that he was unrecognizable as a man. Let's never forget you and I had that coming, but he took it for us. 
Now, you're in Isaiah 52. Just move ahead to Isaiah 53, verse 3. Isaiah 53, verse 3, notice, talks about Jesus and, and gives us a little more of what happened at the cross. Isaiah 53, 3, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. You know, I, I've made the statement over the years that I would, would have loved to have been able to go back in a time capsule and been there to, to see the crucifixion. But you know what? This verse tells me that if I, if I was able to do that, and I'm not, but if I was able to do that and I got there, guess what? When I'm looking at Jesus being crucified, I'm not probably going to be able to look at it anyway. I'll probably hide my face because why? He was an object of what? An object of horror. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has, now watch this, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Uh, you could actually translate that in the Hebrew. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Watch this now. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are what? Healed. Now right there you have spirit, soul, and body. Jesus paid the price for us spiritually, soul, and body. Notice he was bruised. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. You see, all the sin of mankind was laid upon him and he bore that for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All mental malady, oppression, depression, all mental disease and mental ailment, mental problems, he bore all of that for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Those of you who are here today who do not have peace, see, Jesus bore all of your mal mental malady so that you can have peace. And by his stripes we are what? Healed. He bore all sickness and all disease for mankind upon the cross. At the same time he was bearing your sins and my sins. At the same time he bore our mental problem. He also bore our sickness and, and, and carried our disease. And the Bible says by his stripes we are what? We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, watch this, the Lord, that's talking about God the Father, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. You see, it was our sin that did it to him. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich at his death. Remember his body was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea who was a rich man, you know. Because notice he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord, talking about God the Father, to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul, notice, an offering for sin. We're talking about what happened at the cross. He shall see the labor of his soul 
and be satisfied. How many of you know that that scripture tells us that Jesus was successful in bearing our sins? Sicknesses and disease because it pleased the Father and it satisfied the Father, you see. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. That word justify means to declare as righteous. See, Jesus went through what he went through so that he could justify you and me, so that you and I could be declared justified, you see. I like to play on that justified, never sinned. Amen? Praise God. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Transgressors. Aren't you glad that word intercession means to, to, to step in? And, and aren't you glad Jesus stepped in for you and me, and he took the punishment that was coming for you and for me? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Notice 1 Peter 2.24. Notice this. Let's look at what happened at the cross as I go on just a little while longer before just a couple more of these. I don't know about you. I could sit and listen to this all day long. Well, if we ever get tired uh, uh, listening to what Jesus did for us, uh, we're in trouble, aren't we? If we ever get tired of sitting in church and listening to Scripture being read, we're in trouble, aren't we? How many of you know this land's in trouble? How many of you know, I, I can't help but say it, but how many of you know so many pulpits this morning don't have the Word of God being read, but they got somebody standing there telling jokes. Isn't that sad? My God, the church ought to be a place where you come and you come to hear the Word of God and the Word of God is thundered from the pulpit by a man of God under the anointing of God. How many of you know people ought to bring their Bibles to church and they ought to open their Bibles up and they ought to turn in Scripture and they ought to read along with the man of God? Can you say amen? amen. Whoo, I felt the anointing hit me right there. Is it alright if I still pound the pulpit a little bit? My God, let me be a little bit different minister in St. Louis in this hour. Oh, I keep telling myself when I get in the pulpit, I need to be a little more calm. But the power of God hits me. Whew, glory to God. And I just can't help it. Glory to God. How many of you would rather come and hear the word of God being thundered from the pulpit? Or would you rather come and have me do somersaults and entertain you some way with a joke? My God. Say, I'm stirred up because of the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that in the last days that people wouldn't tolerate sound teaching of the Word of God. That they'd want to come and listen to fables and listen to stories. But I tell you what, let's always set ourselves here at Summit Church that we come to worship God. We come not to be entertained by the musicians, but we come to worship God. And when the Word uh, and when the song goes forth, we're not standing there talking to our spouse. We're not standing there being bored, but we're standing there under the power of God, worshiping God. Can you say amen? amen? My God, don't come to this church to talk to your spouse during the worship service. Come to this church to worship God Almighty. Can you say amen? amen. Whoo, I got stirred. Power of God hit me there. Glory to God. Whoo, I'm not taking any of it back either. Somebody here needed to hear that in this hour. 
Amen. Praise God forevermore. Let's have a church where we come to hear the word of God thundered from the pulpit. Amen. How did I just hear that in my spirit? The word of God needs to be thundered from the pulpit. Alex Esti Tocqueville, that French, that French uh, philosopher came here many, many, many years ago and he tried to find the excellence of the United States of America. He came from France and he said, where is the excellence of the United States of America? Where is it found? And he couldn't find it in the spacious harbors. He couldn't find it in the political system. He couldn't find it in the school system. And he said, it wasn't until I went into the churches when I went into the churches and I heard the word of God being thundered from the pulpits that I understood the excellence of the United States of America and dear friends we live in an hour and in a time where that's not happening anymore and we do you see what miserable shape the church is in by and large and my God I want to be a church that's different than that how about you So I don't know, but I'm going to just keep, when the power of God hits me, I'm going to just keep thundering the word of God from the pulpit. Amen? Praise God. Somebody say amen, pastor. Glory to God. Now, first Peter, how did I get off on that? The Holy Ghost hit me, that's how. Well, I woke you up a little bit anyway, didn't I? Some of you are about to go to sleep on me. First Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins. In his own body on the tree. Well, what's the tree? That's the cross, isn't it? He himself bore our sins in his own body on the where? On the where? On the, on the tree or on the cross. What, what happened at the cross? He was bearing our sins in his own body. That we having died to sins might live for righteousness. By whose stripes we are what? Heal, glory to God. How many of you know you don't have to have cancer? You can be healed of cancer. How many of you know you don't have to have sugar diabetes? You can be healed of that. How many of you know you don't have to have physical ailment? You can be healed of that. You can get healed just as easily as you can be forgiven of sin. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. Why? Because Jesus bore it for us. Colossians 1 and 20. Notice this. Colossians 1 and 20. Colossians 1 and 20. By Him... To reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the what? Through the blood of his cross. Through the blood of his cross. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Did you ever notice when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels showed up and to the shepherds, you know, and they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. They weren't talking about peace among men. They were talking about as a result of that little baby being born in Bethlehem, he was going to grow. He was going to be tempted at all points like as, as we are yet without sin. He was going to die on that cross. He was going to shed his blood. And as a result of him shedding his blood on that cross you see it was going to bring peace between heaven and earth between God and man can you say amen Amen. you see when Adam sinned God told Adam in the day ye eat thereof ye shall surely die and he ate and he died and when he ate you see God uh, uh, man was cut off from God and there was enmity or there was a 
lack of peace between God and man. But when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, you know, it brought peace back between God and man. It brought reconciliation back. What happened at the cross? Peace was made between heaven and earth. Somebody say praise God. 1 Corinthians 5.18. Boy, I got stirred up. See, the Holy Ghost hit me. Go to 1 Corinthians 5.18. I'm going to even take my jacket off. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. See, before the Holy Ghost hit me, I was just a preacher. Now I'm a Holy Ghost preacher, you see. Amen. Now, how many of you know this is a lot more fun than that, right? Now, that was fun. This is more fun. Amen. See, it's kind of like going to Six Flags with no power. It can be fun, but when the power gets turned on, it gets more fun, right? Oh, you didn't get what I just said. Now now watch this. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through who? 2 Corinthians 5.18. You you got Bibles? Can Can you read or do I need an interpreter? I need to go back to Costa Rica and get an interpreter. And by him to reconcile all... Where are we at? Come on, guys. Get here. And now all things... No wonder. You could, now all things are... Where are we at? Can you, can you read? That's what has been the problem. You haven't... Can you understand? Are you with me? Now all things... Boy, this thing's driving me crazy. I'm not going to use this thing anymore. I don't like it. I'm going to just hold it. There. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Next verse. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Next verse, please. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Next verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Somebody say amen. amen. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's read that together. Say, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So you see, Jesus knew no sin. He was tempted in every way. He knew no sin. But God put Him on that cross... And he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You have to understand at the cross it was the great exchange. Real loud say the great exchange. exchange. Yeah, see, see, he was the righteousness of God. We were a sinner, but he became sin so that we could become what? The righteousness of God. Isn't that wonderful? See, see, we had oppression and depression. He didn't. But he went on that cross and he bore that. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And you see, uh, uh, he bore that so that we don't have to, so that we can think clearly and, and never... We should never have another depressed day 
the longest day we live. Can you say amen to that? Because Jesus bore our depression for us. He went on that cross. He was well. But the Bible says that sickness and disease was laid upon him. So he became sick. He didn't know any sickness. He wasn't sick. But he became sick so that we could be made what? Well. Well. Say well. Now also too, there's another scripture I'm not even looking up that says that, that he became poor so that we might be made rich. Did you ever read that one? You see, at the cross, how many of you know Jesus was very rich? But at the cross, he emptied himself out and he became poor. Is that right? How many of you know he must have dressed decently because they were shooting dice for his clothes? Is that right? Those soldiers wanted his garments. How many of you know Jesus wasn't a poor man when he walked the shores of Galilee? How many of you know the Bible says he had a house? How many of you know he had enough money to have 12 full-time staff members? How many of you know that? How many of you know he had enough money in the treasury that, that Judas could steal out of it? Nobody really knew he was stealing. Is that right? So you've got to have a lot of money for that to happen. Is that right? But Jesus became poor at the cross so that all of our needs could be met. Can you say amen? amen? So you see at the cross, what happened at the cross? It was the great exchange. Peace was made between heaven and earth, but also we became the righteousness of God. We became sound of mind. We became healed. We became prosperous. Glory to God. And I'm not going to apologize for getting excited about that. Look at Matthew 27, verse 50. Just two more turnings and then we'll close. Matthew 27, verse 50. Notice what happened at the cross. Something else we oft overlook, but we ought to look at it. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. We read that a moment ago, but look at verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into, did it say from the bottom to the top or from the top to the bottom? And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. From the top to the bottom signifies that God ripped it open. You see, that veil that was there kept man from going to the presence of God. And only the high priest could go in there once a year. But when Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood and he died on the cross. There was peace made between heaven and earth and God ripped that veil, signifying that now man has access to the presence of God. That's what happened at the cross. And I get real excited about that. Amen? We'll close with Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14. Notice this. Colossians 2.14. I can't preach this without getting excited. I just always do. I guess that's because I'm still thankful and stirred up. Colossians, and part of my job is to keep you stirred up. Colossians 2.14. Have what happened at the cross, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the what? To the cross. What happened at the cross? The handwriting of requirements that was against us and contrary to us was taken out of the way. Somebody say praise God. Let's read, that, let's read that, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, 
and he's taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross. Isn't that exciting? See, there was a handwriting of requirements that was against us, contrary to us. And Jesus went to the cross. He nailed it to the... He took it out of the way so that you and I can be free. Praise God. Stand with me if you would. Amen.